0: I know we all make resolutions in the new year. Many of us do. I've already broken several of mine. I told Lorna yesterday it's unfair that we think we can we can stop, or it's it's ridiculous to think that we can start a diet in the new year when there's still Christmas candy everywhere. I mean, I got so much chocolate for Christmas, and it's lying on the coffee table right in front of me as I'm watching TV, and I'm sorry. I have destroyed that resolution to start losing weight. I'm gonna, I've am i got to wait till the candy's gone and the temptation's removed. And then, then, then I'll start that diet I've been talking about. Can you? No, you can't. Nobody helps me with that chocolate. That's my chocolate. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's so good to see you this morning. You know, a lot of pastors in and, and, and churches everywhere, they spend the first few Sundays of every year laying out a vision for their churches, and I want to do the same thing over these next few weeks, because I believe that God really has a great plan for us here at Christian Life Fellowship, and I really believe God has some special things in store, and, and, and frankly, looking around the room, I think He's already done some tremendous things in us, and through us, and among us, and we'll talk a little bit about that later, but I really am grateful to the Lord and what He's done, and I'm grateful that He has a plan for us, and I'm grateful that um, He doesn't overlook us or neglect us in His plan. He's been very clear what His vision for us is in His Word. And I want to take you, as we begin this series on Titus, I want to take you to the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is talking about this kingdom that He has come to usher in through His life, death, and resurrection And in this, these, these two, three verses that we're about to read, uh, Jesus really lays out his vision for us as his people. This is who he wants us to be and this is what he wants us to do. So read these first few verses with me from Matthew chapter five, verses 14 through 16. He looks to the crowd that had gathered there and he said, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, here's, here it is. This is who we're to be, and this is what we're to do. This is His vision for us. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven." Let's read that verse together because I really want you to get a hold of what it means. And I want you to spend, if you will, some time today meditating on what this verse means and how you can, how you can flesh it out here on planet earth today. Verse 16 again. In the same way, read it with me. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. This really is our calling as God's people. This, really is our responsibility as His church. We're called to be like a city set on a hill with our lights burning brightly for everyone to see. We're called to bring glory to God through our good works as God's people, His church. We're called to bring God glory through our good works, our good deeds, our changed lives, our godly living. God calls us His vision for us, His plan for redeeming us and setting, setting us apart is so that we might do good works and bring him glory. And the question you got to start asking yourself then is, how do I do that? How do I live that out? How do I flush this thing out how? How do I live in such a way that my light is shining and the things I do bring glory and honor to God? How how can we, as a group of redeemed individuals called by God and put under this banner of Christian Life Fellowship, how do we work together to accomplish God's vision for His church? How do we faithfully embrace this responsibility to let the light of our lives shine brightly before others so that God gets the glory for it? And this is exactly where the book of Titus comes in. This is what Titus is all about. If we want to be who God is calling us to be as individual believers and as a church, then we need to hear and pay attention to the message that's given to us through the book of Titus. You see, the book of Titus is actually a letter that was written by Paul to one of his Greek converts who later became a pastor and a co-worker with Paul. Paul sent this man, Titus, to the island of Crete to help him establish churches there. And I hope that you do some study on your own. I intend to have a, a, a book that you can work through the book of Titus. I meant to have that printed out and ready for you today. I'll have it next week. Um, but, but Titus's mission was to go to this island nation of Crete You know where the word Cretan, you know what it means? Cretan. You're a Cretan. What does that usually mean? A terrible person. You're poorly behaved. You are abrasive. You're an idiot. You act foolishly. That's a Cretan. You know where Cretans, you know where the term Cretan came from? The island nation of Crete. Titus was sent to the island nation of Crete, full of Cretans, to plant churches, to bring them into the kingdom of God, to teach them how to let their light shine so that they could bring God glory. Now, i got a feeling a lot of us in this room would readily admit I have lived as a Cretan. Me included. Sometimes I still fall back into it. Not that I want to, but I find myself... Anyway. Well, Titus can show us Cretans How to learn to really live for God. And how to bring glory to God to the other Cretans around us, if you will. I don't know. Don't you want to do that? Don't you want to let your light shine so that people see your good works and bring and give glory to God for, for what he for what you do? So, what is the message of Titus? Here's the message basically. The message of Titus is simply this to be zealous for good works. To be zealous for good works. To be passionate about doing good, to set your life on course to being more and more godly in your walk. This is simply what the book of Titus is all about. And uh, so, the next next few weeks, that's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about those practices that are outlined for us in the book of Titus that will help us help us shine our light. In, this, in the darkness of the world around us so that the glory of God might be seen in us so that they will want what we have. So that we can influence this world for the glory and the purposes of God. Does that make sense? This is where we're going over the next few weeks. But today I just want to present to you an overview of the book of Titus because I want, to, I want you to know where you're headed here. And so I'm just going to present to you an overview of the book of Titus, and we're going to dive into the details of how all this works out over the next few weeks, and I hope you don't miss a single Sunday, because I think this the stuff that we'll be sharing and talking about, it, has, it, it could revolutionize not only your life, it could revolutionize this church, because after all, you are the church, right? All right, come on. So here we go. We're just going to kind of, I'm going to take you through a lot of scripture. So jot down notes if you want to, or write down the references and go back and study it later for yourself. But I want to make three observations about this little book of Titus that help us learn to live in such a way that uh, that we are that our lights are shining, bringing God glory. The first observation is this: good works are everywhere in the book of Titus. This idea of good works, this concept of doing good, of living godly, it's everywhere in the book of Titus. When you read through the book of Titus, and I hope you'll do that sometime this week, you can't help but notice that the idea of good works serves as a steady refrain throughout the entire book. Paul writes this letter to Titus, and it opens up talking about good works in chapter 1. Verse 1 says, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. Godliness is a code word for good works. Godliness is is a word that speaks of living right, living godly, doing the right thing, being the right kind of person. So Paul talks about good works here in the very first verse. Verse 8 says that an elder is to be one who loves the Good. Loves the good. Verse 16 in chapter 1 warns against false teachers. And Paul writes, They claim to know God, but by their actions they deny Him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. You want to know who a false teacher is? Watch what they do. Don't. doesn't matter what they say. Titus goes on, to talk even more about good works in chapter 2. In in chapter 2, verse 7, Paul charges Titus, in everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In verse 14 of chapter 2, it speaks of Jesus who gave Himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for Himself a people that are His very own, eager to do what is good. Eager to... Think what is good. Eager to believe what is good? No, eager to do what is good. And then in chapter 3, and it's only a three-chapter book, here we go again. Titus continues to talk about good works. In verse 1 of chapter 3, it says that we as followers of Christ as Christians are called to be ready to do whatever is good. In verse 8, it says, so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to... Thinking what is good? Believing what is good? Doing what is good. In verse 14, it says, our people must learn to devote themselves to doing. (laughs) You kind of get an idea here? You, you, You get the idea of the assignment Titus has been given by Paul through the Holy Spirit? Teach these people that they have been saved and called by Jesus Christ to do what is good. And what's right? You just can't escape it. The idea of good works, of doing good, living godly, is a central theme to Titus. It's everywhere in the book. The second observation I want to make to you uh, about Titus is this, that good works are essential to authentic faith. Good works are essential to true faith, true and authentic faith. Titus says this, uh, Titus says, If there is faith then there must be good works that go along with it too. Because true faith always produces good works. A real faith in Christ will always produce something good out of your life. Look at chapter 1, verse 1 again. uh, It opens up by saying, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. That verse says this simply, knowledge of the truth will lead to what? Knowing what's true will lead you to godliness, living right, doing good. When you know what you should do, then you need to do what you know to do. Knowledge of the truth leads to godliness, to obedience, to a life filled with good works. Look again at chapter 1, verse 16. Paul warns us against false teachers. Remember this verse? He gives us a way to identify them. He says they claim to know God, but by their actions they deny Him. And I love what Craig Rochelle, a pastor from Oklahoma City, says about this verse. He says, really, this is a definition for what he calls Christian atheism. We say we believe in God, but we live as if He doesn't really exist. A lot of Christian atheists in the world today, right? One way to identify false teachers is to not judge them by what they say, it's to judge them by what they do. Their doing exposes their believing because their actions speak louder than their words. Go on down, let's see, let's go down to chapter 3, verse 8. We read that one just a minute ago. Let's read it again. And I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. The purpose of the Gospel is to create a people who devote themselves to doing good turning their back on all those old attitudes and behaviors and all that old sin and disobedience, turning their backs on that and turning toward Christ in faith to live in obedience. Jesus said, if you love Me, you'll keep My commandments. But looking to Jesus, living as Jesus would have them live. You see, the the, and I know the emphasis on good works I'm perfectly aware of this, that I am a fish swimming upstream here. I know that. The emphasis on good works probably offends some people in this room. I know it would offend a lot of people I talk to in any given day, because we don't often use the gospel and good works in the same sentence, unless it's to insist that the gospel is not about good works. You've heard that, right? Right? The gospel's not about good works. And it's true. It's true. We are not saved by our good works. I want to clear this up right in the very beginning. We are not saved by our good works. We are not saved by the good things we do. We are not saved by keeping God's commandments. We don't earn God's favor by doing exactly like he says and reaching some kind of perfect status with him. That's not how we're saved. It's absolutely true that we are saved only through faith by grace. I want that to be clear to you. We're only saved through faith by grace. It's the grace of God alone that saves us. Nothing we can do, nothing we can say. We don't deserve it. We'll never be able to earn it. It's only by the grace of God. That we are saved. That's absolutely true. But it, it, here's the problem because I think many of us have drifted way over here instead of staying in the middle of the road where it's balanced and healthy and emphasizing the ground of the gospel. We often unintentionally downplay the goal of the gospel. And focusing on where salvation comes from by faith through grace alone, we sometimes neglect what it's all about, what it's all for. The ground of the gospel is and always will be grace, unmerited favor. It's a gift. Has been a gift. Is a gift, will always be a gift. Salvation is a gift of God. Through the grace of God. But the goal of the gospel is transformation and change and growth and maturity and pressing in to become more and more like Christ. Does that make sense? The ground of the gospel is grace. Grace. The goal of the gospel, the goal of the gospel is good works. A life devoted to doing good. I see quizzical looks on faces, and I'll be happy to talk to anybody after the service about this if you like. But maybe I can clear some of this up as we go along. It is absolutely true that what God has done for us, is done for us out of pure grace. And we can do nothing to earn it. We can do nothing to add to it. All we can do is receive it by faith. But the goal of the Gospel is to change us from the inside out. The goal of the Gospel is to use this same grace that saved us. God uses it to change us. Does that make sense? His grace that saves us is also the grace that changes us. The goal of the Gospel is to transform us. It's to conform us to Christ. It's to make us holy even as He is holy. Let me point out some Scriptures that may shed some more light on this. Listen to how Scripture helps us find the right balance in grace and good works, in believing and in doing. Ephesians chapter 2, 8-10 through 10 says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Second Timothy 1.9 says this, God saved us and called us to a holy calling. Set apart. Different. Not because of our works. Our works can't earn anything from God. But because of His own purpose and grace which He gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Titus 2, 11-14 talks about it. And this is in the very heart of the book and we're going to talk about it in a few weeks. For the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people, training us training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Here it is. Here it is. Who gave Himself for us, to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for. Thank you. <laughs> all I'm trying to do today in this little overview is to help you see the twofold nature of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you to understand the twofold nature of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not saved by our good works, but we are saved for good works. And if I'm wrong, I'll be happy to talk to anybody about it and later come and apologize, but I don't think I am. Good works are not the ground for the gospel, but they are the goal of the gospel. It changes. It changes. If the grace of God has really saved you, you won't leave the same. You will change. Because you are a new creature, created with new purpose. Your life has new meaning. There's a new rolling, uh, controlling power in you called the Holy Spirit who will absolutely turn you inside out, right side up, and make you come, come on. Come on. Let me, let me ask you this question. Do you remember? Do you remember? the day you were saved i mean remember the moment you surrendered to the lord and he by his grace touched you and you were born again by the spirit of god through the grace of god do you remember how suddenly everything that you once did looked different to you like i can't do that anymore i can't say that anymore i and you felt this conviction you've never felt, things you did yesterday with no problem, suddenly today you're like, oh, that's not right. That's what the grace of God does. It saves you, and then the grace of God gets busy saving you. You get that? And you are being saved to bring God glory. To shine your light to let the world see what God can do if someone will just surrender and let God have His way. The twofold nature of the gospel. You see, knowledge of the truth of the gospel, knowledge of the truth of the gospel leads to godly living. We are God's workmanship in Christ Jesus created to do good works. So simply put, what we're trying to say here is authentic faith produces good works in a believer's life. Or as James says in chapter 2, verse 17, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Dead. So the first observation that we've made in the book of Titus is that good works are everywhere. He talks about, Paul talks about good works from verse 1 all the way to the end. And secondly, in Titus, it's made clear that good works are essential. They are evidence. They are necessary to authentic faith. There's one more observation that we need to make about the book of Titus, particularly as it relates to good works. And this third observation is this. Good works are evangelistic in nature. Good works are for the sake of outsiders for the sake of unbelievers, for the sake outside of those outside of our fellowship and the kingdom of God. Good works are evangelistic in nature. And frankly, let me just say this up front. I think Christian Life Fellowship is already known as a church that does a lot of good for a lot of people. Our reputation for good works as a church is such that a few years ago, the Salvation Army was sending people to us to help. Think about that for just a minute. (laughs) I thought that was ironic when the Salvation Army started sending people to us. The courts and other government agencies in the counties that surround us, they often send people our way so that we can help them because our reputation is such that we are a church that helps people. And I think the glory of God is seen, shining brightly through the good works that this church does. Now we're not a big church and we're not a rich church, but we have helped thousands of people through our ministries and programs over these last 16 years. Living Recovery presents hope and support to people every week, people struggling with life-controlling issues. Our Benevolence programs help people weekly with groceries and utility bills and medical expenses and mortgage payments and car repairs. We offer counseling to folks in crisis situations. Folks outside the church come to us for counseling and help. We open our facilities without charge to families who can't afford to pay for funeral chapels or wedding venues or family gatherings. We did that this week. A family couldn't afford a, uh, to hold a memorial service at the funeral home and they asked if they could come here. Sure. I don't know who the family is. I don't, as far as I know, I've never met them. But that's who we are and that's what we do. It's for the glory of God. So... I want you to know that that this series from Titus isn't meant to be a corrective. It's not meant to chastise you because we're not doing enough. You know, it's not to to criticize anybody because man, you know, let's let's get in there and let's do more. That's not what it's about at all. I I'm, I'm sure there are things we could do a lot better and I hope that we continue to get better at what we do. But really my prayer as I approach this series, is that it will be like pouring gasoline on a fire. And the things that we're already doing, oh my Lord, we're going to jump in there and do them better and, and bigger than ever. And we're going we're to find ways to to, let our good, to to let the world know that Jesus saves, to let the world know that lives can be transformed. We're going to do everything we can in the coming years to let people know that there is a God out there who loves them and cares about them, to let His glory be seen through us. I'm just hoping I pray I pour some gasoline on the fire. That's all I'm hoping to do. Because the more of us who surrender to this call of God to do good, then the brighter our light as a church is going to shine for His glory. And the only thing I care about, the only thing, and I hope I've proven this to you over the years, the only thing I care about is the glory of God. I don't care about my reputation. I care about His reputation. I want people to know who God is and how good He is and how kind and loving He is and how powerful He is. That's all I care about. I don't care about my reputation. I don't care about the reputation, sorry guys, of the pastoral team. I care about His reputation, His fame, His renown. His glory, and all I want to do is give Him my life so that He can use me to bring Him glory. And I want to be part of a church that feels the same way. Titus tells us, Titus tells us that a life of good works gives credibility to the gospel. And most of us would have to agree the church, I'm not speaking necessarily about our church, I'm talking about the church in general. The church has a credibility problem in our culture. There's a credibility gap. We often say we believe one thing, but then we do something else. We often talk about our convictions, but we fail to live by those same convictions. And it hurts our witness to a lost and dying world. There's a credibility gap that exists. So often. Brennan Manning said this. He said, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, walk out the door, then deny Him by their lifestyle. And this is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. And I couldn't agree with him more. It's a life of good works that will bridge this credibility gap that exists. Titus tells us how to live lives that bring credibility to our Gospel witness. For instance, in Titus chapter 2, it says, older women... that's not age, that's maturity, okay? Get the difference? Older women. Train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands. Why? that the Word of God may not be reviled. That's the motivation behind doing good, to bring glory and honor to God, to make sure we're not creating more of a credibility problem for the community. You see, does that make sense? Titus 2.7 says, and this is specifically spoken to the leaders in the church, particularly Titus himself, to me as a pastor of this church, show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and I hope I've done that. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that con- cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. The motivation to do good is not for me to build up my reputation. The motivation for me to do good is to make sure that nothing evil could be said about God. You get that? Titus 2, 9 and 10 says, Bond servants... Employees. How many of you are working a job? Working a job now. You don't own it, you work there. Okay, well, this is for you. You are to be submissive to your own masters in everything. Oh, oh yeah. Yes, it's true. They are to be well pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering. Cretans. Not, uh, but showing all good faith, so that, so, listen to this, so that in everything, they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. Why do you not engage in that kind of behavior? Because it makes Jesus look good. You make Jesus attractive. Titus tells us that good works bridge the credibility gap that we now suffer as a church, and it makes the gospel attractive to those outside the church. You see, the kind of life we live as individuals and as a church either detracts from the gospel or attracts people to the gospel. You get that? You're either helping someone move closer to the Lord or you're pushing them away by the way you live your life as a follower of Christ Jesus. Well, Titus tells us how to live a life that can shut the mouths of our critics and attract the lost to Jesus through good works. Bring Him glory. Bring Him honor. and Bring it to an end. I, I believe God has, I believe with all my heart that there is nothing accidental about you and me being here as part of Christian Life Fellowship. I believe God has raised us up and placed us here strategically, purposely, for His divine purpose. And His divine purpose is to be a people that bring Him glory. You, remember Jesus? You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. And we bring Him glory as we let our light shine before others so that they may see our good works, see us doing good, see us living holy. And when they see that, it brings God glory. and lets them know He's for real. And what He's promised He can fulfill. And what He said is true if we're in line with his purposes and will. I'm going to pass out some flashlights right here. Chris, I need you to help me if you would. Um, Clint, would you mind, brother? would Would you help Chris pass these flashlights out? There's a little flashlight, just like this one. I want everybody to take one for just a minute. This is a silly illustration, and I apologize for its cheesiness, but it's all I could come up with, okay? But I want you to get one of these flashlights. And I want to use it as an illustration. These flashlights, these flashlights represent your life. This little flashlight represents your life. Spotlight, spotlight. It represents the good works that you can do to bring God glory.